0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas. And if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. we're recording. Hi. We are recording. We are recording. Sometimes we come in hot off of uh, some takes that don't get recorded. That's and, and that's for the better. Yeah, for the better. Yeah. Hey, it's August twenty sixth. Happy anniversary to my bride. Oh, you said you were going to sing her a song. What's the
1: song you're going to sing for her? Bro? Did not. I you did said not you were going to go all Barry Manilow on her. <laughs> And you were gonna like get your, you were gonna get her ready for what was gonna happen later. Is what Yikes. you were saying. What were you meaning by whoa. that? Whoa, whoa! What would you what do you mean by that? From Taylor Swift yesterday to now <laughs> this,
0: I am uncomfortable. Hey man, let's celebrate the marriage bed, bro. Seventeen years. I'm, I'm willing to celebrate that. That's awesome, years. dude. Yeah, we're excited. It's uh, it's been good. And uh, man, it's it's such a blessing to have a godly wife. Indeed, and I'm thankful for her for sure. She has been uh, a. a more than adequate help meet for me in
1: life and ministry and. Yeah. What are some of the things you appreciate most about Amanda? Obviously what you just said, she's an adequate helpmate. She she's done so much more than that. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you love about her? She's excellent. She's,
0: she manages our home super well with, mm. In while I'm at work. I mean, she handles our kids with excellence and crushes it is patient with them. And she's a gifted uh, teacher uh, with them and, and mm. training them. And, and um, that's great. She's, she's very outgoing, which is awesome. Yeah. And she's uh, super fun. She, helps me in that in ministry wherein she can connect with people really easily yeah and, you uh, struggle with that but she does a great yeah, job well you know i can only <laughs> do so much she's a great hostess of people but yes I, she is i just like being with her i mean i've always she and i've always just enjoyed spending time together we still go on walks together
1: probably oh. twice a week and uh, just enjoy spending time together besides your wedding day what's one of your favorite memories of you and amanda and kids obviously kids and wedding date take those off the table take all those off the table favorite memories
0: with her i think our first year of marriage was just sweet together because we lived down in new braunfels and uh we were we didn't really know anybody for that first year so it was just the two of us and you know your first year of marriage you're figuring things out and you're trying to to figure out life and everything else and you know, we would go to the grocery store and and just have fun. You know, buying groceries together and Aww. figuring out our our new routines and everything. So that was fun. That was a good memory. Um, man, I feel like the honeymoon is that one vacation you just spend the rest of your life wanting to get back to, you and you never quite can, <laughs> can you? That I mean, we went to Kauai for ours, which Dang, was so good. That was a tough way to start it. Yeah, it, yeah. And, uh, and it's
1: just not been, we haven't been able to get back. Well, after the kids move out perhaps, but
0: yeah, but I I guess one of the reasons why that's so hard to answer that question is we just have so every day is memorable. Well, no, and I don't mean to be that, you know, sappy and and ridiculous, but we, I I feel like we, our marriage has been marked by a lot of just good quality time spent together on a regular basis. That's great. You know, and, and, uh, we've put our kids to bed early from an, early age and, and we get to spend time together in the evenings whether it's watching a show together or just hanging out yeah. together and and that builds in good quality time wherein yeah we do dates and we do fun things and we do big things but I, one of, some of the best dating advice I ever got that I've carried into my marriage was from a guy when I was in college who said make sure that you're not just doing fairy tale dates mm. that make sure you're going in other words he said when you guys are dating you guys should go out to Walmart when you need to buy more toothpaste mm-hmm. and go spend that time together and go buy toothpaste right. and that's your date and you're not going to a five-star restaurant or anything else like that. Just learn to enjoy each other in the rhythms of life. And we've carried that into our marriage. And I think that's been super helpful.
1: That's great, man. Well, Josh did mention having to go to bed at 5.30 p.m. every day, but that's super great <laughs> that you guys have such a rich marriage. That's awesome, bro. Congratulations yeah, but, on know, 17 years. Thanks,
0: brother. We're we're happy to, to be here. Do another 17 at least. At least. At least. I, I pray for that for for sure. All right. For sure. Well, hey, We are in Psalm 127, 128, 129. And 130. No, we're not in 127. We did that yesterday. 128 through 131. See, just Dude, what, on. What's happening over here? I don't know. I'm There's off There's such a game. breakdown. I'm off it. It's too
1: many with 120s. Okay. I, I'm going to give you grace, but not tomorrow.
0: Well, you know what? Even as off of it as I am, I still would have been a, a decent contributor in the Republican debates the other
1: night. Did you, did you see any of those? I did not, man. Yeah. You know, cause I'm not a glutton for punishment. I just thought, you know, I could stick forks in my eyes or do this thing. <laughs> I went with the forks. Well, it was on Wednesday night. So you
0: were in student ministry. It was in youth group oh, time yeah. and, uh, my wife and I watched it and yeah, it, it <laughs> I think Mueller's take on it was great. The day after he just said, this is, is a, a joke compared to what politics used to be. And, uh, Come i quickly, Lord. Jesus. Yes. Yes, please, please. But hey, let's talk about the Psalms. Psalm one twenty-eight. Um, again, songs of ascent. We're still in the, that section here, and will continue to be. But it opens up. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in His ways. Preach it. Yep. I mean, that's that's that word blessed there means happy um, or uh, or benefited. It's a a good thing. It's a benefit for us to do these. You will eat the fruit of your labor of your hands and be blessed, and it will be well with you. Your wife is going to be a fruitful vine. Your children, again, picking up on the context from 127, your children are going to be like olive shoots around your table. So there's Mm -hmm. good things that come when we serve the Lord, and that's true of
1: our families as well. One quick note on verse 1 here. I want to point out something to you we've said before, but it would be helpful to remind you again. Hebrew poetry functions off of something called parallelism. In English, our poetry typically is rhyme, rhyme and cadence. But in Hebrew, the it's a, it's the parallelism. Parallelism is the primary feature. So line A plus line B. Now, line A could be just like line B, or line A could be in contrast to line B, or line A could be, uh, in some variation, an addition, an, a supplement to line B. B or a, however, I just said that. So for verse one, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. That's line a line B who walks in his ways. So line one, line a blessed is everyone who fears the Lord seems to work in conjunction with line B who walks in his ways. In other words, how do you know someone fears the Lord? They walk in his ways and those people are the blessed ones. So keep that in mind as you read through the the Hebrew poetry. Parallelism is the way that they do things. pay
0: close attention. Yeah. Helpful interpretive principle there for sure. Psalm 129 is a, a psalm of, uh, of affliction, still a song of ascents, but um, they are uh, lamenting things here. And, and an interesting line in verse five, may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turn backwards. Now, hearkening uh, back to the debates on Wednesday night that came up uh, foreign policy regarding Israel. And so the United States has long been an ally of Israel. We've talked about it uh, here that the United States is not Israel 2.0, but is it a good thing for us to desire good things for Israel? Is it a biblical principle for us to, uh, to even politically think about as voting principles, you know, those concepts of, of wanting to do good to Israel. And I think, The answer is yes. I think that that there's still a a principle that undergirds things here where there's a future for Israel and it's good for us to be uh, aligned with Israel. When you think to the Abrahamic covenant, which is still in action, by the way, uh, I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I will curse Um, that applies to Israel. And so when we think about that, we certainly don't want to be on the side that is cursing Israel. We want to be on the side that is blessing Israel. Amen. Psalm 130, then, uh, is a a great one that uh, is for someone who is, is suffering and going through the valley. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord um, this plea for the Lord to respond to the Lord, to, uh, to even to pardon. Look at verse three. If you should mark iniquities, who could stand before you? O Lord. But with you, there's forgiveness that you may be feared. Again, the, the gospel is dripping from verses three and four. If God would keep a record of, of our sins, who could stand before him? No one, no one, not a single person, not a single pastor, not a single leader. No one could stand before God, but with you, there's forgiveness that you may be feared. Um, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. I remember driving from California to uh, Texas quite a few times over the the course of my life, and sometimes I would drive through the the night, and as you're driving through the night, whichever direction you're going, you're, you're desperate for sunlight. And you are just waiting for it, and you are just looking for the sun to break over the horizon because you are just exhausted <laughs> driving yeah. straight through. And that two a.m., three a.m., four a.m. clicks by on the on the clock, and it just it's so brutal at times. And you are just longing for, c- calling out for the the morning light. And that's I, I have to imagine the same as the watchmen were desperate for the morning because the morning meant safety, the morning meant peace, the morning meant confidence. And the thing is, morning always comes. Morning always comes. Hmm. And so even though we're waiting, we can have confidence that the morning will come. We don't know when it will come. It doesn't always come according to our timeline, but morning does always come. Metaphorically
1: speaking, we can have that same confidence. I think I feel this exact same way when I'm in the Chick-fil-A drive-through line. <laughs> I'm waiting for them Chris crut fries and I just... It's like, with well, this guy in front of me, what did he order? Where's Why is it Chick-fil-A? taking so long? Why does he ever come to the Church sticker on his side? <laughs> so, And I start honking the horn, and yeah. then I realize it's Pastor PJ. Yeah, family. sorry about that, man.
0: Yeah, I ordered one of everything. I want them crisp cut fries, bro. Yeah. Psalm 131, then, I have calmed and quieted my soul. I do not occupy my thing, myself with things too great and too marvelous
1: for me. You know, last. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to ask you about Psalm 130, verse 4. <laughs> Go, rewind. <laughs> 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 yep. How does forgiveness result in fearing God? Yeah, that great. doesn't seem to make sense. Well, you kind of answered this in one twenty
0: one. Blessed everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When we rightly appreciate the forgiveness that we have received from God, it's going to transform our lives, especially when we're talking about the gospel. So the concept of of sanctification being made more like Christ begins at the moment of salvation and it's a it's a byproduct that is is a result of the spirit dwelling within us and also in concert with our understanding of how much we've been forgiven now we want to live a life devoted to the lord and so it's the we might refer to it as Lordship Salvation, right? I mean, we are submitting to Christ as not only our Savior, the one who forgives us, but also our Lord, the the Master, uh, who we are devo- devoting our lives to and and to follow and and to serve. And certainly, that is what marks
1: our fear. So it's also consecutive too. Forgiveness comes before the fear. God yeah. has to rebirth us to give to grant us forgiveness, regeneration, in order that we might truly fear Him as we should. Yes. Amen. Thanks for yeah. the clarification.
0: Yeah. Well, Psalm one thirty one. I wanted to hit on verse one. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. If you were with us last week at church on Sunday, one of the application questions following it up was uh, not dealing with this passage, but in Romans 11, when Paul says, how great and unsearchable are the ways of God, who can understand him? And the question was, if that's true, and if this is true, I do not occupy myself with things too marvelous and great for me. is, is there a point at which we should say, well, I'm going to stop trying to understand this doctrine or that doctrine or this thing or that way about God or is there still benefit to mm. us trying to understand how more many about angels him? can dance on the head of a pin? Yeah. Yeah. And questions like that are, I think, a fruitless exercise for us because that's not helping us. But to try to understand more of, okay, God, I want to understand more of your identity as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want to understand more of your sovereignty and man's free will and how those two things operate together. The extent of your atonement. Right. I want to understand more more of what it means that you are eternal, that you had never had a beginning. Mm-hmm. Look, every single time we're going to, we're going to bump into our finitude. We're going to be, we're going to reach a point where we can't understand anymore. And if we try at times, that's when we get into the errors of heresy and where we need to be careful of about pushing things too far and trying to explain what's inexplicable. But I, I don't think that this is a verse saying, don't even bother trying to, to broaden yourself or to, to deepen yourself theologically. I think this is uh, something that is, is saying, Let's occupy ourselves with the right things, and as we go to worship the Lord, let's make sure that we're going to worship the Lord in a, a quiet soul and in humility as, as well as we do that. That's right. All right. Well, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through the end of chapter 7, which I believe is verse 49 40, 40, verse 40. 40, 25 through 40. That's what I said the whole time. Clearly. I, this is so Amanda and I met in college, and uh, she was going to Grace Community Church, and I was going to um, the Bedside Baptist Church at our college called Plastered Baptist Church, which was that because it was right next to our dorms. Anyways, Amanda was cute. I wanted to spend time with her, so I was like, "I'm going go to go to Grace." So I went down to Grace with her and walked into the college ministry the first Sunday there, and uh, we had taken separate cars, but we were going to like meet each other there, that kind of thing, and. The, the pastor Rick Holland opens up and he starts preaching through first Corinthians seven. I'm like, Oh no. man, he's going to preach on singleness. He's preaching on the gift of singleness. Oh, he's going to convince her not to date me. This is the worst. Why is this happening to me? Like those, was all those thoughts we're going mm-hmm. through. Turned out it was the opposite. He was like, marriage is good. You guys need to get married. I was like, this wow. is amazing. This is a good thing. But I, I love this concept of how he treats singleness in first Corinthians seven. We touched on it a bit last podcast, but barely Paul was single. Yeah. He never married. Um, And uh, and so he had a unique perspective on this and Paul's careful in 1st Corinthians 7 You may have noticed where he says I say this or the Lord says this in the times where he says I say this not the Lord uh, Those are times where he's differentiating his authority here He's saying I'm not writing this under apostolic authority This is not something that I feel that God is giving me the direct apostolic revelation of this But more this is wisdom that I'm providing however you should probably listen to me. I think I've got some good things to contribute to the page, but he does differentiate when he says, this is something I can clearly say is from the Lord versus this is something I'm writing to you that I think is wisdom, but you don't necessarily need to take this to the bank in the same way.
1: Is it, but this is scripture though. So isn't it now the same? It's the same thing. It's equivalent authority. It is. It is. And that's true. No, that's true. And that's fair. It is the inspired
0: word of God. However, it's the inspired word of God that under the inspiration is helping us to understand. Paul's not saying everyone everywhere needs to be single he himself is giving us the permission to choose whether or not we want to obey oh, okay. this command. Yeah. That's what I mean by I that. Track with that yeah. yeah. Not saying this is not
1: the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say, I say break, <laughs> yeah. I did emergency
0: break. Yeah.
1: I thought you were making a distinction between Jesus and Paul as though there is an opposite. No, I think that he's exercising the, the apostolic authority to say, Jesus didn't say this, but I'm saying this, right? So you should listen to this.
0: Right. But giving the caveat to say, this is not a direct command from the Lord. This yeah. is not, if you choose to marry, you're not in sin, right. which he says. Right. Here. But um, the gift of singleness, that's something that you may have heard thrown around, and maybe some of you listening to this are single, and you're thinking to yourself, uh, man, I'd really like to return this gift. No, I don't want this gift. I don't want is this Is there gift. a receipt? Right. Um, you know, at, at some point in time in our lives, every single person has the gift of singleness because uh, none of us are born married. And so uh, the, the question is, and Paul's point here is not the length and, and the term of your singleness, but what are you doing with your singleness? And he makes an argument, a compelling argument for why singleness is a gift. And he talks about there that it, when you are single, you are free to focus your efforts completely on God and the things the kingdom, of the kingdom, man. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'll tell you what, there are some single people in our church that are doing that and it's awesome. And it's great to see that. That's and they're, right. they're expending themselves for the Lord. And he's not saying that to go home and be anxious about your spouse or your kids is, is an evil thing or a wicked thing or a bad thing. He's just saying that's the reality of marriage. Yep, your affections are divided. Um, and so he's his point here. And, and I think our encouragement from this passage is, hey, if you've got the gift of singleness right now in your life, use it well, use right. it well and use it the way that Paul would want you to use it and say you've
1: got extra bandwidth to, to give yourself to the things of the Lord. What do you say to this, the the young man who says, "Well, yeah, Paul could say this, but Paul the apostle was treated very differently than a young man who's pursuing pastoral ministry today." If a young man was pursuing pastoral ministry and he came as like, "Yeah, I'm single and I'm going to stay single. My heart's fully devoted to the Lord," um, do you think there's any potential hang ups or difficulties that he would have to overcome to to really embrace a passage like this? From a from a
0: the church that might be looking at him practical perspective perspe- yeah,
1: yeah practical I mean even from yeah. a the fa- like a family a family that's following a pastor and he's single never married I think there's some obstacles there real obstacles that are hundred percent. Hundred percent, and and that's why I think maybe if you're looking at going into
0: ministry, maybe that's a situation where this is not a situ uh, a, an applicable passage to you that you would say. I feel like I've got the gift of ministry and or the gift of singleness, and I want to go into vocational ministry. Um, you, think about student ministry. You, you couldn't be a, a single pastor in student ministry for very long without. Concerns being raised, even I if you were, for sure. you know, as integrous as they come, there there would still be question marks, right? Um, in, in even as a, as a lead pastor, right? I, I mentioned earlier in this podcast what a gift my wife is to me in ministry, and she's an enormous gift to me in ministry. And when we've got a situation with a lady in the church that. I know I can look at my wife and say, Hey, will you reach out to so-and-so and and connect with her? Right. Um, or sometimes I will text another lady in the church and I'll have my wife on that text thread with me so that I can text her. And yet my wife is right there in, in privy to the conversation. If I'm a single pastor, I I can't do those things Mm -hmm. and I'm just opening the door to unnecessary risk and temptation. Um, or, charges that could come from somebody, right? Or whatever it may be. So I'm not saying no single person can go into vocational ministry, but maybe not in the traditional sense of what we think of as ministry.
1: Certainly. And in today's day and age, it's so hard to, as you're saying, it's so hard to maintain that integrous position when people look at you and are going to raise an eyebrow and say, well, how are you leading ministry? I mean, what kind of experience do you have? Can you really speak to my situation? You're not a married man or a married woman or what have you. So yeah, this is clearly a unique time in the church's life, a unique time in Paul's life where he could speak authoritatively. He himself was likely not married, at least so as far as we could tell, um, likely without kids, we don't hear any mention of either one of those in the text, but notice that scripture does privilege singleness and that's not the way the church typically understands it today. True. It's understood much more as a burden and a curse and everyone's like, Oh, just stay in it. You know, someday you're going to get married and for ha- perhaps for some of those singles, that's, that's maybe rubbing it in the wrong way because they perhaps like Paul see their, their singleness as a gift to be embraced rather than a curse to be overcome. E- even when uh... And some people out there may be thinking, well, yeah, like the churches that don't have singles
0: ministries, they're ignoring the singles. But how often do you go to a singles ministry that the whole goal of that singles ministry is to solve singleness for the people that are part of that ministry? Right. It's like they're treating it like it is a problem rather than saying, well, we don't have a singles ministry because we have a a ministry to everybody in the church. Like you're not distinct from the people people that are married in the church just because you're single in the sense that you need your own ministry so we can solve this and then get you into the marriage ministry where all the rest of the people are. Right. Like we want you involved in our community groups. We want you serving. We want you participating. We want you engaged just like we want everybody engaged. Singleness is not a disease or an obstacle
1: to overcome. In fact, Paul's arguing the opposite there. Well, would you say though that most people, most most people are not called to singleness? Yeah. Is that fair? I mean, maybe 99%. I can't, I can't really... Yeah. I can think of maybe five people that I've known in my whole life that were called to singleness and that was their thing.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, I think part of that is um, what he's talked about already in this. If you desire to be married, it's good for you to be married. If you burn with passion, you should get married. Right. He's, he said those things as kind of some markers that might indicate, okay, I'd this is not the gift of singleness.
1: And to be clear, then, when we say that, or when he says that, that's referring to sexual desire. If you right. have strong sexual desire that desires to be fulfilled, um, you should certainly marry because right. that's going to be a, a form of temptation for you. Does that mean then that the single person probably doesn't have those same struggles? I think it at least suggests something of that nature. Right. Right.
0: And, and this may be seasons of life too, right? It may be that, that you are a single person who gets married and maybe that marriage ends. Either the spouse dies or you go through a divorce yeah. or whatever. And afterwards, you sit there and you feel th- that you are, are content in that state of being single, Yeah. Um, either because you, you're convicted that that's God's will on your life based on the results and the circumstances that you faced during the, the dissolution of the marriage or because you are, are simply truly content in the, the state that you're in. And so I, I, I do think there can be seasons with this as well. That's right. Well, y'all, thanks for joining in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, and we hope and pray that you'll join us tomorrow for another episode as we tackle the next section of the Bible together. Looking forward to seeing you there.